Welcome to Elise's Point Conversation Edition. I'm your host, Elise Squirrel, mental performance consultant and sport karate athlete. Join me as I talk sport karate related topics with guests inside and outside of the sport. My guest this week is Patrick Goral. Pat is a certified personal trainer under the governing body of the Canadian Society for Exercise Physiology and is a precision nutrition level two coach. Pat also has 15 years of teaching and coaching experience in karate. Does his name sound familiar? That is because it is. Pat is my older brother. So you might be thinking, wow, Elise, easy interview. Nope. Pat is on my team and is one of the people who I consult when I need nutrition and personal training help. He also offers many great insights on the topic as he has background in karate. I'm honestly very lucky that I am linked so closely to a good personal trainer and supporter. Welcome, Pat. I mean, I see you all the time, but it's also very nice to talk to you about what you do and uh, just how it can relate to like what I do, which is point sparring. So um, with everyone, I start out with some easy questions. So you are a personal trainer. So what is your relationship to sport and what do listeners need to know about you to confirm that you know what you're talking about? Ooh, I thought you said we were going to start off with easy questions. That is <laughs> um, an easy question. So as a personal trainer, my job is to help clients achieve their goals through the method of using a gym or activity in order to improve themselves. So that can mean a variety of things, but from a point sparring perspective, if you were to come in and uh, say, I want to work on my flexibility or mobility or improve my speed when it comes to my sport, I can help you with that through the gym and also nutrition if that's what you're interested in. Cool. I think every, I think everyone should be interested in nutrition. I think it's a big topic, but that's not what we're talking about today. Today. Although I'm interested in your role and knowledge as a personal trainer, you also, and people don't know this, have a background in karate. So I get to ask you both sets of my warm-up questions. So the <laughs> first one is, when did you start karate? Well, I kind of started karate twice. The first time I was really, really young. And my brother and I went into a, I think it was a studio and we were training with this one organization for a very long time. And I got my orange belt or green belt with them. And then they decided to stop training people in Kempville. And my brother and I were kind of left by the wayside. And then a few years later, I remember being in our dining room and my mom was looking at the newspaper and she said, Hey, a new dojo in uh, our hometown, Kempville had uh, opened up 
would you be interested in trying karate again? And I remember kind of being like, maybe about it because I enjoyed it a lot the first time, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to try it again. My mom suggested that, well, you did enjoy it. So why don't you try it again? And I think that was around seven or eight years old. Yeah. And uh, the dojo literally had just opened and I was one of their first students there. At least, at least first, at least his first five. That's so interesting. So my next question is, why did you get into karate? And I think you covered a little bit in the previous question, <laughs> but the, the on, why? The honest why reason you, why I got into karate? Yeah. You know why I got into karate. <clears throat> Power Rangers and Ninja Turtles. I was going to say, I can't believe that you remember all of that at like, you're like, I think that was at like seven or eight. And by, at that point I was like five and I'm like, I can't believe you remember all of that first of all. So what were the reasons, Pat? Power Rangers and Ninja Turtles. I used mm-hmm. to love play fighting, not real fighting, play fighting. I would never want to hurt anybody. And I, I guess karate was a way that I could a- achieve that goal. Yeah. What year was this? That's a good question. It was uh, like, so was you can eight. just say like, yeah. 1997, 1998, maybe. Yeah. So like the 90s. The 90s. Yeah. I I remember we could probably, we could, you could probably trace it backwards. So I was in grade six when I got my black belt for the first time. And I graduated high school in 2006. So that means it was 2000 when I got my black belt, my, my junior black belt. And then it took me three years with the dojo to, yeah. So 1997 was when I started at that dojo. How old would that make you now? I'm, uh, I'm 33. Exactly. Just wanted to point that out. Um, so my next question is, why did you stay with karate? I, I think it was, it, it was for a variety of reasons. Um, the primary one, obviously, because I enjoyed it. I, I, as, you know, being a young kid, there were definitely days where you didn't want to go to karate and your parents made you. And then when you actually went, you loved being there. I think another reason was the the idea of mastering something. So, and, and let, let, let's um, let, let's I, let's make a point here to say that there's not really a way to ever master karate, but there is always a way to get better, right? So you're always chasing mastery, knowing that it's never obtainable, but also understanding that the more you practice, the better you get at it. And I really got a lot of fulfillment out of that. And I took a lot of pride in putting time and effort into getting better. So that was definitely another reason. And then the another uh, reason number three is some of my closest friends, some of which, mostly one of them, uh, I'm still friends with to this day. And then also, it, it, like I enjoyed teaching like the the teaching aspect when i eventually got into teaching and helping was was something i really enjoyed that being said do you still practice now no 
honestly, I've, you know, every once in a while I think about it, but due to a lot of circumstances, it just, you know, it became really unappealing to me. Um, and it, it's not the karate sport. I just want to make that clear. I, I still love the karate sport. I just, I'm just not in a position where I enjoy training as much as I used to. Mm -hmm. It is interesting that you still pursue similar areas. You said that you were very much into teaching and training people. So getting into some personal training specific questions, what is your philosophy as a personal trainer? <laughs> That's a, a very broad question. Uh, what is my philosophy? I, I honestly haven't given that a lot of thought, but I would say that I try to make sure that anyone who comes to train with me feels welcome and accomplished, right? But at the same time, in order to see improvement in anything, it needs to be challenging. So I'm not going to have a new person come into the gym and do stuff that they're already amazing at because they are not going to see improvement by doing that. Anything that's worth chasing and improving upon has to come from an area of discomfort and something that you have never done before. So if you're used to lifting 10 pounds and you lift 10 pounds a hundred times for the rest of your life, you will always be able to do that. Well, you will probably not be able to lift more than that unless you start lifting 11 pounds for less and trying to improve, right? As an example, mm -hmm. and you, and you can, uh, you can, you can, so like, you know, what, what, what someone, what, what someone's, uh, more challenging, uh, outside of their comfort zone might differ from one person to another. And it's, it's, it's a personal trainer's job to kind of find that and make them feel safe while doing it. And, I guess as a personal trainer, that's what I try to accomplish. I don't want anyone to feel like they can't start working out. My goal is to always try to find something that they can do. Right. So um, if I was to come to you as a point spar at a fairly high level, how would this change mm -hmm. for like me as a competitive athlete? How would that change for you as a competitive athlete? Well, like what would, uh, like what would, yes. Well, it depends on where, where you are right now. Right. So when I train anybody and they come in, um, I always perform an assessment first because despite what they can do outside of the gym, it's important to know where they're at, um, beforehand and doing an assessment can sometimes highlight um, some opportunities. So an athlete, so the, the funny thing about training athletes, and I, I just want to also state that I have not trained a lot of athletes. My specialty is general population, but I do have, I have trained quite a few athletes and in order for an athlete to be an amazing person or an amazing athlete at their sport, they have to, usually, usually athletes are anomalies, right? So they're really good at something. And because of that, 
there's there's something either different mentally or physically about them. Um, and, and, and that's just kind of winning the ge- genetic lottery, right? So sometimes you can have a high level athlete come in who, you know, is a world champion and they can't squat past 45 degrees, right? So doing an assessment right. will bring that to light. And the next question is, well, what, what would the athlete benefit from squatting more than 45 degrees, right? Would they maybe, it's kind of your job as the personal trainer to decide that. And the, the term used for uh, weightlifting as an athlete is called cross training. So it's uh, either to improve upon stuff that you need to get better at or improve upon opportunities that you may have, whether it be like a flexibility, mobility, or a strength issue. Um, yeah. So, here, let's just say this question now. So saying that, like, what are the benefits with working with a personal trainer? Uh, well, a personal trainer is, like I said, an expert uh, at what they do. Um, personal trainers come in many shapes and sizes. Some specialize more in mobility. Some specialize more in lifting weights. But they are experts in helping you achieve your goals by seeing where you are and creating a map to help you get to where you want to be. Right. So it's good to have one of one of you, like a personal trainer on your team, really. I, I think, uh, I, yes, definitely having a personal trainer on your team is very valuable. And I definitely feel like also as an athlete looking to improve, having as much external feedback that's uh, appropriate is also very good, right? So if you train yourself, you may not push yourself in, as we talked about earlier, challenging ways that you need to in order to improve. And a personal trainer is good at helping you with that. Right. Because people like doing what they are already good at. That's also very true. Um, For me, so like I have a competitive coach. I have a coach that teaches me strategy, technique, um, right and wrong ways of doing things. And they're there to push me within my sport. But it is also, it's also good to have other people around you because, you know, for me, a personal trainer is going to give you different information than your coaches. Right. And like we also kind of talked about earlier, so you talked about your uh, sports coach. Your sports coach is an expert in that sport, but they might not be an expert in like lifting weights, which is what I do primarily. I do do some mobility stuff too, but mostly I do weightlifting stuff. Sorry, strength training stuff. I wouldn't say weightlifting is a completely different sport. So like, you know, a lot, a lot, let's talk about, uh, I know this is a, uh, a podcast about sport, uh, point spy, uh, fighting, but, um, NHL and, uh, and, uh, and FL athletes, they train with their football or hockey coach respectively, but they also have strength and conditioning coaches, which their job is to do the weightlifting or conditioning portion of their training in order to help them improve. Right. So it's not one person that does everything. It's a team of people that help you improve. And that's what I think too. So 
when you decided that you wanted to pursue personal training, you had already had about 15 years of experience teaching karate and fitness. What was the biggest realization that you had when you started learning more about training and strength training the body? Biggest realization that I had when I started doing strength training instead of karate, um, that it can benefit a lot of people. You know, it's not just that. Yeah. It's not, it's not just athletes who benefit a lot from it. It's everyone, right. Um, lifting weights makes you a more durable person. And also I think psychologically, it also makes you a more durable, confident person as well. Being able to pick, being able, uh, going off kind of on a tangent here, being able to pick something heavy off the ground makes you feel like you're capable of doing a great many things. And, and also it's just like the, you know, the, the helping somebody get from point A to point B is also what I really, really liked. And I think that's one of the main aspects of teaching karate that I also really, really like too. Um, you know, helping someone learn the proper technique for a kick so that they can kick higher or kick properly or helping somebody learn uh, their kata in a very uh, masterful way get, gives me a lot of satisfaction as well as it get, as also um, it's great to see them getting really satisfied and seeing them improve a skill. Right. What are the benefits of being like diverse in your training versus like obsessively drilling in your sport? It, it well, it, like we, like we kind of talked about earlier, being an athlete, sometimes you are just built a little bit differently than everybody else. But sometimes that difference can cause you to perform, not perform as well as you want to. So hiring a personal trainer or coach who can assess that opportunity and come up with a program to help you improve that opportunity can transfer greatly over to your sport as well as developing just general strength and power to a point will also help you improve on your sport. Hmm. How so? So this kind of gets into a little bit of biomechanics. And if I'm being honest, I wouldn't be able to recite the um, exact graph but there is something out there called a strength curve, okay? And what it states is uh, along that curve at different points, it's, sorry, it's a strength power curve with power being on one side and strength being on the other side. Um, and both of them are related. So it suggests that the stronger you get, the more powerful you get, right? Because training strength, Okay, so strength training is lifting heavy weights at low repetitions. Okay, so between one and five. It trains generally fast twitch fibers. Fast twitch fibers are responsible for power, which, um, which makes you move or those muscles move faster, right? Now, there is, there is probably a diminishing returns like, you know, you know, an athlete who can lift a thousand pounds isn't necessarily the fastest, you know, there's other factors that 
come into consideration, but generally getting stronger will help you move faster. Um, you also have to train with lighter weights at high speeds in order to, uh, improve your power, um, and quickness, but getting strong can, especially if you've never weight trained before can drastically improve your speed and your power when it comes to sport. Hmm. So when would you say that starting to work with a personal trainer would be beneficial for athletes knowing that, you know, there's age groups and everyone's different. <laughs> okay. So I, this is a really tough question and I'm going to just, first of all, prefix it by saying, and this is probably one of my favorite quotes of all times. It's like the best time to plant a tree was 15 years ago. The second best time to plant a tree is right now. Right? So if you are considering personal training in order to improve your sport or in order to be healthier in general and you regret not starting it earlier, it is not too late to start now. Now, that being said, children under 13, 14, 15 should be working on more diverse skills. Okay? So, yes, strength training if they enjoy it can be very beneficial, but also just going out, being kids, playing a variety of sports is probably going to help you more in the long run than only training karate and lifting weights. But as the more mature you get and the more specialized you get into your sport, there is probably a lot of benefit to starting training as soon as you feel comfortable. Does it have anything to do with, um, like, is there anything wrong with young athletes, like adolescent athletes doing like strength training? No, they used to think that it could inhibit growth, but that's being disproven. Um, so no, I, I, there is nothing wrong with training weights at uh, a younger age, but the pro I, and, and, and again, like I said, I don't train a lot of athletes, but a lot of the um, people I follow to gather information to, and they say that when you're young, you want to diversify and not specialize because that has a greater transferable skill than only doing a few things. Some of the best, um, besides them being hitting the genetic lottery and just being amazing at the sport because of the genes their parents gave them and all their hard work. A lot of really high end athletes are, are really good because they played a variety of sports when they were younger. So if you're a parent listening to this with a young kid that's um, looking to improve in point sparring and it's the, and they really enjoy it, I would also suggest trying to put them in different sports because that will help them develop skills that will transfer over to karate. Yeah. Everything in moderation. Okay. Yeah. So, and then, yeah. And then as they get older and they like, we're talking in their like teenage years, they can, and, and they realize that they excel at something. That's the time to start specializing. But before then variety is better. I agree. Okay. So getting into more of the science part, how has the science of training people changed in the last 20 years or so? 
<laughs> oh man, I, this is a good question. Uh, if we're being honest, not a ton. What worked 20 to 15 years ago still works these days. And stuff that people are thinking is the hot new thing usually fades out of uh, the spotlight uh, fairly quickly. The, 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 the best general rule of thumb is uh, train consistently and do the same boring things over and over again and try to master them. That's um, the best way to improve. That's what works. Doing something new all the time does not work. Yeah. And, and that's why I kind of laugh at that question, because the more I learn and all the more new things I learn, it always falls back to the stuff that's worked for the last 100 years. Which is really funny. But there has been things that have changed, like the way people approach rest and relaxation. Oh, yes, for sure. To kind of just kind of talk a little bit more about that. Um, yes. People, people seem to forget that, um, especially when it comes to lifting weights, you go to the gym and it depends on how frequent you go. Right. But let's say like, you know, average person goes to the gym three times a week to lift weights. That's probably about three to four hours total of your whole weekly life. And that three to four hours is the stimulus in order to create growth but the growth actually happens with all your habits of the rest of the time that you spend throughout the week. So recovery is a big factor. Recovery is, you know, are you de-stressing? Are you sleeping enough? Are you fueling your body well enough? That's what creates growth. It's not the gym specifically. Right. So it's like a lifestyle thing. Yeah, it's a life it's a lifestyle thing. Doing more is not always better. Right. So, how like how do you explain to clients or you, the people that you train that you know relaxation or rest doesn't mean lack of effort? <laughs> but, uh honestly, um that's something that I really struggle with. I, I train, so the, the, the organization I train for, um, shout out to Freeform Fitness, uh, specifically the Gleebrook location, you rock. Um, we, we work with people who, our, our appointments are 30 minutes based, right? So following that, that um, train of thought, um, that means we're catering to people who are very busy, right? Very, so they, they feel like they can only fit 30 minutes of exercise in two to three times a week, um, two to three times a week, which would be like an hour to, uh, an hour and a half. And so that means that in my mind for the rest of their time and lives, they're very busy people and don't, don't feel like they can give up more time to exercise. And based on my experience of the last five to six years of personal training, being in a constant state of high stress is more detrimental to your health than, than anything else. So training those de-stressing skills can 
help immensely improve in your sport or your lifestyle, which could mean finding that trade-off, whether it be making less money or do I, I, I can't even think of anything else uh, as an example um, to give yourself more time to enjoy hobbies um, meal prep or hang out with your family can dr- dramatically improve your performance and your health. So interesting, especially since it really is like body and brain, like they need to work together for optimal success. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We, we can kind of talk about stress a little bit. So there, there's two main types of stress. Um, sympathetic stress and parasympathetic stress. Okay. So sympathetic stress is your fight or flight stress, which, you know, if we go back to our ancestors in the primal ages, um, that would be us being under attack and having to fight for our life or trying to hunt for food. And parasympathetic is relax and digest. Okay. Now, especially in today's society, there's not a lot of quieting opportunities. So a lot of people are under chronic stress. Now, when I say chronic stress, I mean chronic sympathetic stress. Um, And when you're under sympathetic stress, your survival instincts come into play. Um, so elevated heart rate, you know, eyes, uh, dilating more so you can see better. Um, and many other things breathing quicker and you, uh, think about being like that for days, months, or years on end because you don't have a quieting rest and digest. Right. And from a nutrition standpoint, if you are, constantly high stress your body doesn't you know wants to protect itself for as as long as it can so that might be um increasing uh the amount of fat you store because they feel like you might need that energy later um versus practicing your parasympathetic skills where you relax your body's like oh i can actually breathe slowly and digest my food properly, how much that can have a big impact on health and performance. Right. With all of this in mind being very important, how can Mm -hmm. athletes, I mean, this is a whole, this is a different change. Like this is a whole different way of being from like train, train, train all the time And like, you know, rest is for the week. And, you know, if you're not doing more than your opponent, then you are losing the game. How do Mm -hmm. athletes, how, how can athletes measure that they are improving? Because the way that they feel is a lot different than the way that like it looks or it seems. Uh, Are we talking improving in their sport or just improving generally? I would say because this is for point sparring, it would be improving in their sport. I mean, I think that they can see improvements if like you're working 
with personal trainers, but how can they how can they gain confidence that they are improving within their goals? Well, that's 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 a good question. Um, I feel like the like well, first of all, you would have to find something that's measurable. You know, scoring more points during a fighting match versus the same opponent might be one indicator that you could measure as to you improving. Um, if you have expensive equipment, you can measure the speed of your kicks and punches. You can reflect, did I feel more confident performing that skill versus what I did in the past? I would say those are the most easy ways to measure things that would be sport related. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's important think? that like, I think it's important that it's a team thing. Like you're an, you're an athlete and you're individual sport. Usually if we're talking about point sparring, but like you have, you build a support system around you. So your support system, you can work off of your support system. So if you're training in personal training, then your coach should be able to see where you're improving. If you're improving within your sport, but also that your your coach yeah. needs to be on board with what you're doing. Yes, yeah, definitely a collaborative effort. Yeah. Okay. So a couple more questions. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay. Uh, speaking about stressed, I feel very stressed right now. There's a lot of stuff happening in my life. My my wife and I are expecting a baby within the next two weeks. Um, work's very stressful due to COVID. And yeah, it just feels constantly go, go, go. So working on those de-stressing skills for me is very important right now. Right. What do you do if you feel like you're in flight mode versus bite mode? (laughs) Ooh, that's a very good question. So some form of meditation or breath work is the scientific proven way to help the most. So a quick breathing drill that you can do is, and we talked about shallow breathing before, breathing quickly. You want to, through your own effort, change that breathing to diaphragmatic breathing. Okay. So that's breathing with your diaphragm. So what you can do is lie down on your back on the floor So lying on the floor is important because feeling grounded to the earth can help a lot. Um, Raising your feet so that your knees are bent at 90 degrees and your hips are bent at 90 degrees and putting one hand on your stomach and one hand on your chest. Okay. Trying to quiet your mind, inhaling through your nose, pausing for a few seconds and exhaling through your mouth trying to only raise the hand that's on your stomach versus only raising the hand on your chest. Um, and a good rule of thumb for your breathing is your inhale should be shorter than your exhale by like a one to two ratio. So let's say you breathe in for two seconds. You want to try to breathe out for four seconds. And at the same time, think about pulling your belly button to the floor as you exhale doing that for five minutes can help you immensely. It's a skill that I like to use when I feel super stressed or super anxious. I get a lot of benefit out of it. 
Um, but that's only one thing you can do. There's many different forms of mindfulness or practice or meditation. They all have a lot of benefit. Here's a question. What is your pet peeve being a professional in personal training? Uh, so I kind of, I, 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 I'll, I'll give you two pet peeves. I'll give you a bonus because everyone loves bonuses. Yep. So number one is client pet peeves and client pet peeves are people that come in and ask for your help, but are not open to learning, um, or, or, or trying new things. Some of the best athletes in the world are the most coachable people you will ever meet. And by what we mean by that is they ask for feedback constantly and take it into consideration. Now, that being said, you know, don't have to take advice from everybody, but being open to taking advice um, is is very beneficial and it can't it really separates the best from from the rest. So yeah, it's called a growth mindset. There's a lot of stuff about it on the internet. It's essentially just uh, being open to trying new things and not being afraid of failing. Uh, and, and that's me just butchering the definition. I would suggest looking it up if you're interested in learning more. And then number two, um, which is another, per- it's personal trainer to personal p- trainer pet peeve. And <clears throat> there's a lot more depth to personal training than meets the eye. You can seriously injure people as a personal trainer. If you don't know what you're doing, it's not just about putting somebody through a hard workout and having them crawling out the front door. It's about giving them an effective workout. that can help them grow. And that could be the easiest workout in your eyes, but to their eyes, it could be, you know, just on the outside of their, um, their comfort zone type workout. Um, there's a lot more. And I I think there's a going to be a big shift in the personal training industry in the next 50 years where, uh, and this is, uh, not, not me who said this, but I, I do agree with his opinion. Um, his name is Kevin Darby. He's from Toronto and he, uh, I took a lot of his courses because he's a very knowledgeable guy. Um, he thinks that personal trainers are going to evolve more into health coaches and there's a lot more to health and fitness than how much weight you can lift or how fast you can run. Um, some more important factor, um, protocols or not protocols, um, markers that trainers need to be a P need to be paying attention to is resting heart rate and blood pressure. Um, because that can, um, give you a very, a lot of insight into, uh, how healthy an individual is and yeah, healthy people are the people that thrive and do well. Mm-hmm. And resting not, heart rate you know, changes like we each got, person. Yes. Your resting heart rate is different than somebody else's there. There isn't, there's a zone, right? It, I, yeah there's a zone of resting heart rate. It's different from person to person. So if yours is higher than somebody else's, that doesn't mean that you're bad or a bad person. Just means that you're a different person and everyone's a little different. Great. So, um, that was it. Is there anything you would like to add or that you were wondering about as a result of this interview? 
<laughs> ask I see you saved all the tough questions for the end. Um don't 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 be afraid to seek out help in order to improve. You will probably benefit more from an outsider's perspective than your own and it can be very uncomfortable asking somebody for help, but the uh the rewards can be uh drastic. I, I kind of commented on before, but individuals, um, l- most individuals like doing stuff that they're already good at or what they're comfortable with. And growth and development comes from stepping outside of your comfort zone and trying new things or doing things that you're not very good at. And an out uh, a professional or somebody else who is an expert can drastically help you improve um if if you're open to it right and 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 being open and and trying new things and trying to grow is uh is a skill in and of itself it's also winning the genetic lottery can really help you with your sport and being really good at your sport but you also have to work hard there's people out there that hit the genetic lottery and do nothing, absolutely nothing. And they will never know that they could have been the best at their sport because they didn't try it or they just don't do it. So I would say being hitting the genetic lottery is important, but working hard is more important. All those people that you see that are really good at something, they, they definitely met or sought out the right people to help them along the way, right? They, uh, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, as we've talked about, hit the genetic lottery and ran into a person that was an asshole or a jerk or wasn't helpful to them in any way. And it deterred them from ever trying to improve or continue on their journey to, uh, improve. Definitely outside sources, actually, that we're actually finding more people or, completely discouraged from their sport because of the culture inside the sport. But, um, yeah. Yes. I can really believe that. That makes sense to me. That is, I think that's why a lot of people are also afraid to come into the gym. Oh, what do you mean? Well, from an outsider's perspective, think about walking into a big box gym and the type of people that are in there. Would you not be intimidated by that? Right. Yeah, there is there is definitely um, a lot of great opportunity and communities um, in every sport or activity. Um, don't don't let one uh, one um, instance affect your decision or your impression of it. Right. Try it out a few different times with different people. That's a good, that's good advice. Okay. And then my last question is how can people contact you if they want to continue this conversation? Uh, so as of right now, I only train in person under, um, my comp- the company that I work for through form fitness, but I am open to taking a few online clients if they're interested in working with me, um, my work email is 
patrick.gorrell, G-O-R-R-E-L-L dot F-F-F at gmail.com. And I don't have any work Instagram handles, but if you want to follow my personal Instagram, which are mostly pictures of my cat, it's uh, literally just P. Gorrell. And those are the two best ways of getting in contact with me. Thank you for listening to Elise's Point Conversation Edition. Thank you, Pat, for your insight on personal training. I know that it is something that you have a passion for. Before I end this week's podcast, there are a few things to note. Elise's Point will be going on hiatus, either for a little bit or for forever. I love working on the podcast and finding some great topics to talk about and some great people to talk with. But I have a couple of big projects that I would like to focus on. In some ways, I feel like I'm spreading myself a little bit thin, which I suppose many of us do. I want to thank all the listeners for your support. It's been an amazing process, and it's amazing how much of the Sport Karate community I was able to reach. I hope you were able to get as much enjoyment and information out of it as I did. There's definitely much more to talk about, so just because I'm breaking doesn't mean that the conversation is done. That being said, did you enjoy the conversation? Please subscribe or follow me on any of the major streaming platforms. Please rate on Apple Podcasts or write a review. I love hearing from you, and the ratings and reviews do help independent podcasters like myself. Music by Atch. If you're interested in what I do, mental performance consulting, research, karate stuff, and more, please check out my website, embodiedmentalperformance.com, or email me at embodiedmentalperformance at gmail.com. <laughs>